Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post-Atomic Prisoner Podcast, with your hosts, Ron Algarwatt and Matt Robotham. Covering Episode 8, Dance of the Dead, with Amanda Smith. Hi friends. Hey. It's, it's us, we're here. And Amanda's here. Look at Amanda. Yes, look at me. You've all been waiting for it, and here I am. Have they all been waiting for yes. it? Yes. The, the demand has been there. You yes. certainly have your fans. Yes. I won't deny that. A fan does. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> the cult the cult show that you have chosen yes. maybe is not going to be quite as well known as, say, Buffy or Steven Universe. People Whatever. The prisoner, right? I'm not saying they don't oh, know it. A lot it. of I'm people saying... knew The Prisoner. They haven't, like, it's not going to be necessarily as well known as some of the other Listen, shows. did you want to watch some bullshit from the 60s, or did you want to watch some 60s-ass 60s bullshit? Uh, <laughs> I have definitely now watched some 60s bullshit, that's for damn sure. 60s-ass 60s bullshit. Yeah. yeah. We'll we'll get into it. But oh, we'll first, get into it. Matt, I, I, <laughs> I see a lot of assertions of, of facts in your summary that, I don't know where you got this information because I watched the same show you did. And uh, oh, okay, take all of this with a metric ton of shruggery. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. But why? Why don't you tell things us? Things happen. Even that I dispute. <laughs> oh, things happen. Things happen. What, what they are is that. a mystery to all of us. But things have happened mm-hmm. and right. will continue to happen. Well, Matt, why don't you tell us what you think in in your subjective reality happened in this prisoner episode, episode seven, which. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, great great way to get us uh, acclimated to this confusing environment, right smack in the middle. I oh, we'll get agonized to that too. over it. I know you did, and good for you. Mm-hmm. Matt, why don't you tell us what happened in Dance of the Dead? Where do I even start? <clears throat> so a secret agent in the style of James Bond who drives the car that all McDonald's toys were based on to his, goes to his headquarters, yells so hard that he breaks a teacup, and then quits. <laughs> And then his bosses fire him so elaborately that a robot has to use small X's to draw a big X on his 8x10 glamour shots. Secret Agent returns to his home, where he is promptly gassed and kidnapped by by former Monty Python cast members. He then regains regains consciousness in the village, a scenic seaside resort town where he is given the identification number 6, and then relentlessly badgered in new and exciting ways for his secrets by a new number 2 every week. Or possibly none of that is happening. The Prisoner is a deeply weird show that is open for any number of interpretations and contains one of the single most bizarre final episodes of television I have ever seen until I got hard into Neon Genesis Evangelion. We open this week as a full medical team sneaks into Six's house, hooks wires up to his head, and then attempts to brainwash him into telling them whatever the hell secrets they're trying to get out of this guy. Number two puts a stop to that, not wanting to damage the prisoner, and instead launches an elaborate plan involving a carnival and a mock trial, because if you looked up the word subtle in in a dictionary on this island, you'd find a picture of a man elaborately shrugging and also several rude words. Six wakes up in bed, is rude to his maid, and then invited to to said fancy dress carnival. Since everyone Six knows already dressed up like the cast of Are You Being Served at a Cricket Game, I'm not sure how (laughs) fancy we're expected to be, but honestly, if that's the biggest mystery in this, in this episode, I'm going to take it. After being rude to more people and intellectually sparring with number two, intellectually sparring with number two takes up approximately 87% of this series, Six goes to bed and then sneaks to the beach where he is menaced by Rover, the insidious weather balloon, and then finds a corpse on the beach. Said corpse has a small pocket radio, which Six steals and then attaches a note to the corpse and sends it back out to sea. 
The note reads, dead man, do not eat. <laughs> he also meets an old friend of his named Dutton, who is shocked by his corpse disposal techniques. The two old friends warmly refuse to tell each other any useful information whatsoever. <laughs> then Styx returns to the village, fiddling with the radio, but is instantly caught by two. This has absolutely no consequences whatsoever. Then Six and Two intellectually spar some more. That night, Six arrives at the carnival dressed as James Bond and finds that he is the only person without a costume. Two is hoping that this will play on Six's horrible fear of arriving at a party in the wrong clothes, but unfortunately, she is thinking of me, and this affects Six not at all. Sneaking away from the party, presumably to find the basement where all the cool video games are kept, Six dons a lab coat and glasses as a disguise, because it's not like everyone on this island is paid to know exactly what he looks like at all times. He sneaks into a morgue, finds his corpse message, and is then instantly caught by two again. Two leads him back to the party, where he is put on trial for cr the crimes of having a radio and being rude to people. He brings out Dutton as a character witness, but Dutton has been lobotomized, so no help there. Then Queen Elizabeth, Napoleon, and Caesar sentence him to death, and he's chased around by an angry mob of almost Springfieldian proportions. He hides out in the spare room where there are no video games, but there is a computer either printing or shredding paper. And then two shows up to laugh at him for no reason. And then the credits play backwards because Patrick McGowan gives literally no fucks about anything. <laughs> oh, I think he gives many fucks. I so think, many fucks. I think there's like so much intent here. It's it's not random. For oh sure. no, this is all also, a plan. Also, I gotta say, I appreciate the Arrested Development reference in mm -hmm. Dead Man Do Not Eat, but why didn't you follow through with that and have him throw the body in the ocean and say, "From whence you came"? Well, it's also he's right good. there. He did say seals. Mm -hmm. okay. Instead of steals, That's, so there yep. was that. Was that in, was that deliberate? That was a typo. Oh, yes, okay. but Damn not right. a typo that was caught because it's a real word. Damn <laughs> yes. you, autocorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, autococonut. All right, Amanda, you have something to answer for. No, I don't. I love this show. Yep. Fuck you. <laughs> I didn't say it was a bad show, and I don't think it's a bad show. I love the colors. I love how very much itself it is. Mm. It's unabashedly weird. The stilted dialogue, the overt tone shifts, how much it expects you to keep up. The pace, I mean, for a 60s show, moves along, a, along at a good clip. I'm, like, really engaged by this show. I started skimming the episodes to see which one I was going to pick, and I basically got sucked right back in. I've seen this show, like, three or four times, and yeah. I just watched most of it again, because I'm like, well, I'll watch, watch The Prisoner again. <laughs> yeah, because it's fucking awesome. I watched this all the way through when I was mm -hmm. 19. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. And that memory is like perfect in my head. Mm -hmm. And I knew going back to this, I would just feel this overwhelming feeling of shame and embarrassment mm -hmm. of me at 19. And oh boy, did I. Oh man. Oh man, this show is so up its own ass. Yes, it nope. is. I was so excited for this because now it's been like 10 years since I saw it the first time. And it's like, oh fuck, I know more stuff than I did back then. <laughs> There's yeah, but a, whole I, lot of, it, a whole lot more crap I'll pick up on. I, see, it's been 20 years for me, and I pick up on so much crap that I hate it now. I, I don't hate it. Again, good show. It is a well-made show with a clear vision. It is not incompetent on any level. Nope. And but it makes me personally feel uncomfortable, not in the way it was designed to. Unlike some other weird-for-weirdness's-sake shows, mm. this show feels like it does. It has a driving vision. It knows where it's going. It's got it's, a very specific aesthetic. It's yeah. never just saying, I don't know, let's throw this in. It's it's all very deliberate. It's, and well, it has a beginning, middle, and end, yes. and then it's over, and then that's the end, and there will never be any more. And people well, and are still debating it 50 years later. Yeah. yeah. And for as strange as it is, it all makes sense well, it makes from the point sense. of view of the <laughs> show, you know? Right. 
No, there is an internal logic that is like unshakable. And the fun is, you know, deciphering it. I think I think Twin Peaks the Return squandered mm-hmm. what little goodwill I have mm-hmm. left for nonsense show that I like to make theories about. I think because of it's Dougie's fault that I don't like this, basically. Well, cuz you can't lot- use Dougie to make you not like anything, yeah. everything. Look, Dougie has a lot to answer for. That's true. Well, a lot of a lot of the problems I had with New Twin Peaks was just how fuck you all of the all of all, all of the choices yes. were. Mm-hmm. It was so clearly trolling the audience, mm-hmm. and this should like, get a bit of that too. But oh, you want to no, watch no. Twin Peaks? Too bad. Yeah. This show never said, "Do you want to watch The Prisoner?" Too bad. No. Yeah, it definitely and... said "fuck you" a lot, but uh... yes. Yeah. No the 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 big the the thing that I got the yes. the overwhelming vibe that I got was conformity is bad and it's like oh, oh did you pick God. up on that it's kind of subtle <laughs> yeah. I'm just, no I mean that's what I'm saying it knocked me out of my chair the waves of it emanating mm. from my screen and it's just like all right enough do mm. do a, do another thing that doesn't make me feel like a like a terrible teenager mm. Well it's funny cuz this has a real like individualism versus collectivism yeah. like yeah dynamic. you were mentioning that and the collectivism you were talking about is like communism, like, which feels like exactly the opposite of what I would assume. Right, which is sort of the Soviet collectivism. But then later on in the series, we have a heroic character who's like a counterculture, uh, like hippie type. So, yes, it's uh, pro-individualist, but it's also pro-youth and change. Mm. So, yeah. But is number six meant to be a square fighting, like fighting the counterculture? Or is he meant to be... A free person fighting the establishment. He is meant to, he befriends the counterculture guy. Mm-hmm. Like he's another like. Yeah, in that episode, yeah. but I'm talking in the whole series. Um, He is trying to escape is his yeah, but, whole thing. But, but I'm looking yep. at it on a metaphorical yeah. level. Yes, he's literally trying to escape. Well, but what is the con, like the subtext? It's person versus like society like so the societal is, like right. we've got societal laws so he's and the rules and all that then. exactly yeah okay. and so but there's a lot of sort of mixed stuff in here and also i'm not an expert i've just no, seen it a thousand not. times and i've watched all the interviews and i've read a bunch of stuff Let, about it let's just if we haven't made it clear yet preface by saying everything we say might not be true of this show at all we're just bringing our interpretation yeah everything about this show is a goddamn mess the order of the episodes no one knows what order you're supposed to watch them in. Yeah. There's a huge debate over that. There's a huge debate over who made up the show. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I didn't know that part. Yeah, so there's... Um, I had always heard, like, I I was on the baby internet in the early 90s when I first saw the show and, and was on some news groups, mm-hmm. and the prevailing opinion back then was, was definitely Patrick McGowan's baby. It was all him. But you Yeah, that's said, what I thought. So yeah. it... That is true in a way he definitely wrote a bunch of it he wrote it wrote wrote it he wrote some of the episodes under pseudonames right um but they were him he directed some of the episodes but there some people say he pitched the show some people say um that a guy he was working on uh danger man with yes pitched the sort of idea of Mm -hmm. the show that's uh george markstein who co-created the show maybe also maybe came up with the basic idea and then Patrick McGoon stole it or maybe they worked George, together yeah maybe they worked together or maybe George Markstein uh helped with the show after the fact but didn't come up with the idea and no one agrees yeah huh and, and now Patrick at Mc- least one of them is dead if not all yeah, yeah. no and then Patrick McGoon went to his grave and refused to tell anyone anything about anything yep. well 
that's the, if he's anything like his character, that tracks because mm-hmm. boy, what an asshole! And he also seemed impossible to work with. Yep. just impossible. Like temper tantrums on set. Like that. Just... Tra- that that's right. The yeah. same as his, and this is one of those fun times where Matt's good thing is the same as my yeah. bad thing. Sure, Matt, why don't you start? I love number six to death. The entire appeal of this show to me is watching this guy just test his unbending will against everything. Just this society that is constantly trying to get information out of him. You torture him. You drug him. You confuse a cat him. It doesn't matter. The dude will not break. And I love watching it. He is just, you you can watch him through the entire episode and he just picks like he's watching everything and he is like anytime he's with a person he's questioning about about stuff what's this what's happening what's going on he does not trust anybody except maybe the cat and and the cat betrays betrays him him. yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) and he just doesn't break i like a character that does that to some degree but there has to be something charming likable anything there's nothing he is deeply unlikable yep and every time he bends the slightest little bit in the show, like the tiniest little bit, he's betrayed. Yep. So okay, but that's the like that's the reason for but it. I understand in but story. But a likable character would keep trying or to make just, connections. Or a a likable show mm-hmm. would write him with one characteristic I can latch onto mm-hmm. where I don't want to say these people are right to torture him. He's an asshole. Nope, because they're assholes too. There are no likable characters in this show at all. I liked nope. I liked the bad guys way more than I liked him. That's fair. Now, well, granted, granted, we dropped right in the center of the series, and maybe mm-hmm. there's some build up there. Who knows? But uh, I found a lot of the characters around him kind of sympathetic at times. Mm-hmm. Not every single one of them, but a lot of them. Like the girl who was supposed to be watching him, yeah. I was like, oh, poor hot sixties looking girl. She's she's just kind of caught up in all this. She doesn't deserve him like trying to push her in the ocean or whatever. Come on, man. And number two in this um, is a lot milder than some of the other number twos, Mm because some of the other number twos come out and are like, I'm going to strap electrodes to your brain and zap, zap, zap. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, let's let him settle in a little bit. Let's see how this plays out. I'm going to hang out in the time tunnel control room Mm -hmm. with my 14 Mm -hmm. color-coded phones Mm -hmm. and and watch him sleep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like you do. Yep. Wakes up in the morning and he, she's just on the TV watching him sleep. Yep. And yeah, I like that. And, I and like... not even trying to hide it or anything. That's the other nope. thing I love. It's just like, no, yeah. it's full on 1984. The the thing that's watching you is the television mm-hmm. screen with the face of the person watching you. It's yes. Just, and if you cover the is. television screen, it will scream at you. Yes. Yes. But also his maids, I guess, can tell him what to do. Mm-hmm. Everyone they're can... all bossing him around. Everyone can tell him what to do. He's a prisoner. Yeah. So the numbers aren't status then. No. Nope. They are completely numbers. randomly assigned. Okay, except number one is definitely in charge, so that's not true. Well, there, actually, and number um, two is uh, okay. Uh, there may be no number one. Number that's, one might be a computer, that's okay. a, or it might be a collective of people, or it might be a clone of number six. Mm-hmm. All right. One sure. of the things I really loved about num- about watching this the first time, and I forget when this happens or whatever, but someone is just like just because everybody else has a number whatever gave you the idea that there's a number one and i love that yep don't they reference number one though or is it all from him it's mostly from him it's mostly from him it's never i don't know if it's ever from like number two who's the only person i think knows what's going on no and number two calls 
someone sometimes. Yeah. Not but, this number two, but other ones. That makes sense. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. now that I think back, the only reference to number one I heard is him asking yeah. who number one is. Yeah. Not necessarily yeah. anyone else saying and that. And when okay. someone asks who number one is, like, they, they dodge laugh. the question. They laugh. Yeah. 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 Well, they laugh. Like, mm-hmm. that's the silly question. Mm-hmm. There's no answer to that. But, like, okay, here's a good example. Yes. He finds his friend out in out in a cave They're not somewhere. friends. Well, whatever. This guy has no friends. Six doesn't so, have any friends. So in this no. guy's fucked up world where everyone hates him, this guy's his friend. Walter Roland Dutton. You didn't yeah, you roll know. the R's enough. Walter she Roland can't. Dutton. I can't roll she my can't R's. Roll R's. It's I'm one sorry. of my great regrets. It's a genetic I'm sorry defect. to hear that, yeah. actually. <laughs> it sucks. One of my voice actors can't do... None of you can whistle. I can well, whistle. Well, that's true. <laughs> That, that is not go. a good whistle. Yeah. <laughs> good. Nice work, Matt. Uh-huh. Yeah. I can save that for my tumbleweed effect. <laughs> You're welcome. Need that for the cowboy episode. Which are the tumbleweeds rolling by as I wait for you to whistle. And and Matt as the tumbleweed. But, okay, so he meets his, I'm saying friend, because yeah. the closest thing to a friend this It's another spy. Has. Yep. And the guy's wearing a giant button mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. says 42 on mm-hmm. it. And yep. then later when the dude's on trial, he's like, Roland, whatever, whatever. And they're like, we don't know who that is. We don't use names. Play their game for a minute. He's got a giant 42 asshole. Nope, Just he say, never will. I saw number four. I know. He could still fight them and speak their language, but he, he deliberately would- is like, I'm not going to acknowledge that I saw the giant number 42. I'm just going to say his name is Bill. Nope, he Fuck will not you. he will not give an inch ever. And and then he wonders why he's being like you know, someone wants to torture him because look, I, I want to punch him and I'm a pacifist. God. <laughs> this is the the island of insufferable pricks. Mm-hmm. They just put all the insufferable pricks there. No, it's just him. <laughs> Everyone else is just normal. <laughs> they That's... need they need these hundreds of people. Let me let me tell you where this episode really felt extremely relatable mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. There was a forced mandatory bit of mm-hmm. of uh of frivolity. <laughs> yep. We're all Carnival. going to the office party mm-hmm. and everyone put on their costumes cuz they had to mm-hmm. and just stood still. Mm-hmm. And when they were told to dance, they did the minimum amount of dancing possible. Yep. That's me at a work function. I was like, I get these people now. They hate doing this. They're doing it because they have to. Well, it's also um, Carnival or the Lord of Misrule or any of those types of celebrations. Oh, yes, all those things that I go to regularly. Yeah. Um, they tend to be about uh, oppressed people having one night where they're in control of things or they don't have to worry about like their social oppressors. So mm-hmm. like Boxing Day? No. Not even close. Where it's like the, it's a where... Feast of the Fools thing, right? Yeah. 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 You guys talk about this stuff like everyone knows what this is. I don't know what this <clears> is. <throat> also, isn't Boxing Day where the rich people have to do what the poor people say? No, that's where you have you give your old clothes to poor people because you got new stuff for Christmas. What's mm. the one? Oh, God. See, you guys are basically British, so I am so left out of all this. We stuff. are this basically is British. Where... <laughs> there uh-huh. is one, and it's the Lord of Misrule or okay. uh, what was that other one you said, Matt? Uh, Feast of Fools. Yeah, where- some like stable hand or whatever gets to be in charge, right? Yeah, and then all of the lords and ladies have to do what he says, or okay. like they make a horse mare or something. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you—I mean, you've seen it that kind of stuff in Discworld books, sure. Yeah, I guess um, so, and I don't get it there either. <laughs> and so, typically, those kinds of festivals are about you know breaking your shackles for even one night, mm-hmm. but on the island, it is um, 
flipped around and no one gets to enjoy themselves and it's just one more means of oppression, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a mandatory work function. Mm -hmm. Yep. Is how I saw it. Just one more thing. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, I, <sighs> Amanda, what's your good thing? Um, like all of it. I love it <laughs> so much. Specifically. Oh, yeah. So, you do your good thing first and I'll do mine. All right. Well, mine is at at one point, as Matt mentioned in the summary, uh, he picks up this corpse that he finds, just a corpse lying mm -hmm. around like you do, mm -hmm. and no big deal, just got a corpse, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, turns it into a message in a bottle mm -hmm. and sets it back out to sea, and that's some pretty brutal adventure game logic there. I sure like is. Use, write message. Use message on corpse. Put yep. corpse in water. I like that. <laughs> and that's a pretty clever plan, but to- I think he's a good problem solver. He I is. just think he's an asshole. He's, the thing is, he's a good spy, and he's yeah. good at keeping secrets. He spends, like... Well, he's certainly not telling us what's going on. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's some speculation that the character's supposed to be the same as the one from his spy show. From mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, and George Markstein says, yes, it's obviously John Brake from Danger Man. Patrick McGowan says, it's absolutely not. Mm -hmm. So, hmm? Um, yeah, again, so, Patrick McGowan just like, fuck you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we have um, the corpse message, and then number two figures out about it immediately. Of course. So she brings the corpse back, changes it, like um, has cosmetic surgery done to it, so it looked like six, and then they're going to put the corpse out so it can be found. Mm. So that people, out in the real world, out, in the outside yeah. world, so no one comes looking for him. Exactly. And it's got all of the message stuff that he wrote himself in his own hand. Mm -hmm. So it looks like it's actually him. And she basically- So now it's like a suicide yeah. note. Yeah. She says basically like, waste not, want not. You, mm -hmm. you started it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I like about the show is that back and forth, he tries to do yeah. something, they stop him. Mm-hmm. They try to do something, he stops them. It's very spy versus spy in yeah. a very sort of pleasing way. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, what was your bad thing? Um, The placement of this episode feels weird, like in the series. Um, the reason I picked this one, it's not necessarily my favorite episode or the best episode, but it's really, um, uh, it shows basically what the show is. It's mm -hmm. very representative of the show. Mm -hmm. You get to see Rover. You get to see the island and some weirdness going on there and some like strange science experiments. And you get to see Six's like, insufferability and all of that stuff. Like That's mm -hmm. why I <laughs> wanted to do this one is because it has a little bit of everything that the show is sort of known for. Mm -hmm. um, but this happens about midway through the series, maybe a little half uh, past that. But there's a lot of people talking about how Six is just came here. And we're using a lot of sort of softer methods to try and get him to break. Whereas up to this point, there's been some pretty harsh stuff done. Like he's been beaten senseless and like he's had his brain cut open. Not exactly that, but basically that. Mm. And so sort of coming back from that feels weird. Like this feels like it should be like episode yeah, To me, it felt two. like he was there, like it was his first day and yeah. they're trying yeah. to get him to accept it. And then when that doesn't work, then they'll try something else. But but then I thought, okay, well, this is episode seven, so maybe like they've been doing this the whole time. I don't remember. I watched this all the way through yeah. twenty five years ago. Yeah. I don't remember. And now. maybe if it was like a bully, you know, like it's what a bully does, uh -huh. where <laughs> suddenly there's a nice one yes. in in between. But it's that's not really sort of made clear. Well, we don't yeah. make things clear in the village. No, now you're <laughs> catching <true>. on. <laughs> oh, look, I know. I remembered that from before. <laughs> 
and it's fine. I'm not complaining about that. I'm seriously not. It's it's just that the point the show's trying to get across is a point that I, I personally don't enjoy anymore. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. all. Information. Okay. You won't get it. Just just stop being an asshole, man. No, never. Yeah, he is a, he is a deeply deeply unlikable character. Oh yeah. And, and I'm I- not I'm not asking for like wacky comic relief. Just give me one thing, man. Yeah, but he is he is not nope. a likable character and that's sort of what makes it more fun for me mm-hmm. to watch him get tormented because the show for me is also very fun and it's not a fun subject matter. Oh, I no. I don't see that argument mm. at all. No, I just found it I think it's fun to watch. All right. Like because you've got that back and forth fighting between and because no one seems to be taking this very seriously. Well, one of the things okay. one of the things I like about Six is that it feels like he's playing along. Mm-hmm. You know, like Does as much it? like yeah, he very much wants to escape. But like, you're not wrong. If he wanted to, he could just like he could never leave the house. You know, like he doesn't like not, it's his choice he, to to get dressed and he should go wandering. Like I'm not saying he should give in. I'm saying if he just played their game a little bit he might get somewhere was polite to people yes. even for an instant that's all i'm saying yeah. i'm not saying no. i'm not saying like fucking cave at all but like it doesn't feel like the, it feels like he wants to play as long as he's here mm. well because he's I, been doing this his whole life yeah like, the the assumption is that i'm making is that he was a fairly high-ranking spy for quite some time mm-hmm. um which would make sense because he's got like this information they want to get from him like he's so worth all this effort is this his organization trying to get this information or is it like the opposite side elaborate shrug (laughs) okay i mean i know even in the beginning i know the opening bit very well and he says whose side are you on so he i don't think he knows i don't think he knows there's um a theory that he resigned because he found out about a place like this Mm. um like and there's another theory that uh and this is something that i think george martin said where six thought it would be nice to have a place for spies to retire where they could be safely housed mm-hmm. and then it turned into this uh where it's a place where they like get information from people and then he's not sure if it's his government doing this or if it's uh the idea that's being used by whoever the opposition is be mm-hmm. that soviet or whoever or if he's a british mm-hmm. agent then yeah the communists of some kind theoretically yeah, who knows yeah but it could be either yeah okay. and Guys come in with English accents, and then it turns out they're from some place, like they're from some former Russian area, right. mm-hmm. or they come in with some kind of accent that's made up, and mm-hmm. then it turns out they're English, so who knows? Well, and the very wow. design of the village is like this weird, like, British something or other. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not wrong when I say it looks like Monty Python, like... I mean, but that's because Python was filmed around the same time. Like, True. We're within a year or two of that show, and they went on location all over the place, mm. and they they like they just have the same feel because, you know, they were shows that existed around the same time. But... It's quaint as hell. It is quaint. I swear I remember something about this place being, like, I think it's... Oh, God. It's in Wales. Port Marion. Yeah. Okay. So there's that, mm-hmm. and then there's the seaside town from Popeye. Both of those places are still mm-hmm. standing, and in my head, all the details are being mixed up. Uh-oh. They could not be more different. It's because of that fucking John Hodgman interview, because all they did was talk about Popeye and the prisoner on that thing. That is exactly <laughs> it. You'll get no <laughs> argument from me, Ken Plume. 
That's right. Matt and I still referencing a podcast mm-hmm. we both heard, a mm-hmm. one a one-off podcast episode we heard 8 years ago. Uh-huh. What? What? <laughs> yeah. Uh but I mean, come on, there's lines in this like questions are a burden to others, yep. answers yeah. are a prison for oneself. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, fuck off. Also, there's a bunch of sequences <clears throat> that feel like like a two-hander stage play yep. that just is sort of batting back and forth. They actually remind me a little bit of your word association, like Nick and Willikin games. Oh. Mm. <laughs> I guess I could see that. Yeah. I don't know. I think Frank and Sandra make more sense than the prisoner, but that's, you know. Do that. <laughs> Do a prisoner, uh, Frank and Sandra based on the prisoner. <laughs> Where am I? In the village. In the village. <laughs> And then he's chased by a piece of garbage, and mm-hmm. which is apparently terrifying the, to some people. The most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Yes. It's I like, would... oh no, a, a stray plastic bag is blowing around the beach. And Making this, is... this noise. <laughs> yeah. I was and watching it I this have heard, time. I've heard like... many people mm-hmm. describe that as very, very scary. The like, Blue Monge. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Matt, you were saying? No, I was I was watching it this time, and I'm like, I can see what they're going for here, but also you can see where the string is being tugged, and that kind of takes something out of it. Oh, I don't care. I mean, I can I can suspend disbelief and look at it for what it's supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. I just still don't get why it's scary. It's not threatening in There's any way. There's one sequence where we it knocks somebody over, mm-hmm. and I think we're underneath it, and it suffocates the person. Oh, that, and sh- so that we're... Like, close-up <laughs> shot where it's like sucked over the face. Yeah, and so yeah, it, that's, like that's moderately. It, I don't know that I'd say it was scary, but it was like it. it and it, there is a certain tension. I don't even there. know that it's meant to be scary. I, again, threatening. It is meant I, to be threatening. When I saw this for the first time in like 1994 mm-hmm. or whenever it was, and I was on like the you know news groups mm-hmm. that probably don't even exist anymore. Like I was looking around and like some person on the internet 25 years ago said they found it scary, and that stuck in my head. Maybe ah. nobody else thinks that. I don't know. It's. You know, it's it fits into the whole aesthetic of the show. It's yeah. weird. It's yeah. not just a guy with a gun. That's true. That's the like, thing. There's it, no there's no guns on this show that I can remember. There are in the end of the at the end of the series. Fair yeah, enough. As as Matt mentioned, the finale of this show is one of the like like for as weird as it is for twelve episodes, I think it's thirteen that they got. Seventeen. Seventeen? Yeah. Okay. Then in as weird as it is for sixteen, it goes completely off the fucking rails. Oh yeah, they doubled the hour. fuck down on that one. I don't know, because I rewatched that one again recently, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's weird, but it I actually found it a little draggy compared to some of the other episodes. Probably because it like has such a reputation and you were really expecting something. Well, I'd seen it before, but mm-hmm. I remembered enjoying it more. Um previously whereas some of the other episodes i really really still got into right and yeah in the uh in the last episode uh prisoner and some of his pals get guns and start like mowing people down with machine guns i I like that you call him prisoner yeah prisoner which is his name to you he said his name isn't number six so it's prisoner yeah i guess he would know so yeah i suppose that's true all I remember is there's a chase sequence mm-hmm. and the music suddenly turns into All You Need Is Love by the Beatles. Yes. I'm like, yep. what? Why? Why? Yep. Oh, boy. So, Matt, what's your bad thing? Yeah, um, I'm a little unclear on the last shot of the episode of the computer. Mm-hmm. Like, I expect to be confused by the prisoner. It's part of why I like it and it's part of why I showed up. But that shot felt really meaningful and I don't know what's happening. It was a little opaque even for this show like rewatching some of the other episodes i think what they were getting at is that machine 
is how they were communicating with whoever's in charge of what's going on here. Okay. And then Prisoner pulls out all the guts and he's like, aha, I have done something that would slow these guys down. And then the computer just keeps doing its thing. Okay. But I, that's not entirely clear. That's that, just, was, that was my take on it yeah. as well, mm. actually, yeah. And then but like, she's, it's super dramatic and she's like laughing at him and I'm just like, mm, I think I'm missing something here. She had a great villain laugh mm-hmm. and a great villain presence that was completely uh, under, like, like uh, uh, eliminated by the fact that she was dressed like Peter Pan for a good chunk of the episode. That didn't bother me at all. Hello, it felt number like... six. I'm Mr. B Natural. Yes, she just had a real Mr. B vibe, <laughs> and I, I was into it. Just, I mean, Mr. B's a little yeah. uns- upsetting on their own. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, like, Mr. B's grandmother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, no, she... He thought he was striking a blow for individuality, and she's like, oh, sweetie, you you, you can't stop the machine. <laughs> Idiot. Oh, my God. <laughs> you strike a blow for nothing. Mm-hmm. Also, the cat was working for us. Yes, the cat was working for her all along. <laughs> I really wish the cat had had, like, a name tag with, like, a, a number on it. Yeah. <laughs> that would have made me very happy. Mr. Sprinkles, also number 72. <laughs> Or it said Mr. Sprinkles, and then at the end when it betrayed him, it said number 72. Yep, right, of course. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> or the, the I egg... am the meow, number two. <laughs> no. The egg chair spins dramatically, mm-hmm. and it's just the cat sitting there. Yep. I want that egg chair. I know you do. I've oh, wanted I love that egg, egg chair, chair for so long. Yeah, I know. I love how everything looks in this. The seesaw mm-hmm. in the background. There is, there is a very good aesthetic. With guys just... On it, yep, doing something. No, they're just seesawing. <laughs> it's fun. Have you tried that? It's fun. <laughs> Why would you have that in your control room? There's an episode what? later it's on, fun, where six and number two are just on either end of the seesaw, yep. having one of their arguments while they go up yep. and down. I could absolutely see that starting with like, this is going to be a very boring shot of yep. them just arguing back and forth. Mm-hmm. How can we make it interesting and? And illustrate the constant change in the balance of power. Mm-hmm. The literal balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Put them on a seesaw. Questions are a burden to others. Answers are a prison for oneself. Yeah. Yep. Fuck you. God. It won't surprise you to know that I had several punk songs that had those as lyrics back in back when I was 19. I just, just mm-hmm. now before we started, introduced Amanda to the Iron Maiden song called The Prisoner. It just sounds exactly, like every other Iron Maiden based song. exactly on this, uh, this episode. That's not a punk band. That's a metal band. Shh, 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 I don't know shit about music. <laughs> Come on, Iron Maiden is a metal band, is the thing my grandmother knows, and she's Iron dead. Maiden is a torture device, Al. Well, yes, of mm-hmm. course, but also... You Bill use and... it as as the Lord of Misrule, don't you know that? Oh, mm-hmm. obviously. Don't don't you have uh, Killer Geese where you grew up? Obviously. Yes, I do. Yes. Yeah, I know. Everyone Honk. does, apparently. Except we just saw some on the way home. I, I was like attacked at the... the Taco Bell. Playing at the playing the goose game is great, but it feels like I could just be playing as a hippo or some other animal I've never seen. It just it does not it's so outside my I my mean, experience. And Amanda's like, oh no, you didn't grow up with geese just like swarming around yeah. your house and like pecking pop, you, popping Dude, the tires of your car. Mm-hmm. I was bit by a goose when I was three. It traumatized me for life. I I don't think I've seen a goose up close until I was about thirty. Oh, They're you don't mean. get up close to a goose. 
I mean, one bit you, you don't get much closer than inside something. You didn't have a choice. They would come for you, and you mm-hmm. needed to be fast for yeah. them to get you. Geese to me are a tiny V formation way up in the sky. Dangerous. That uh-huh. is all. Gary. Were there any geese in this? They, that's they what, probably could have been. That's could've what been. the V stands for. Very dangerous. <laughs> now, Matt, you saw the... Or I think you saw the mm. uh, the the misguided remake of this they did a few years ago. Yeah, I watched the first half of the first episode, and I, I remember quit you being real pissed so off so quickly. Yeah. I, hated I didn't even it. watch that. I just heard it was on. I'm like, no, I don't think I need that. It was well, so fucking bad. I know Ian McKellen was involved. So yeah, he I was think number was, two. I think that was what drew some people in. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, that guy wouldn't do something real bad, right? And the thing was that He'd the time I was like, good number two. Yeah. The th- my thinking at the time was like, the prisoner could be like a cool thing. Like that's a cool property to come back to. I was I wrong. I disagree. This this as Amanda has pointed out, very much of its time. Yeah, very much a very specific vibe. You can't go back to that. Well, it's done. Mm-hmm. And it's so much. The it it is the thing. And it's the it's these guys. If I don't know what to believe. Oh God, I don't know. But it's either this one yeah. person or this two people's vision. Like it is a vision, specific. Vision. Whoever's vision it is, it's it theirs. is a vision. Yeah, yeah. It's not like Star Trek where mm-hmm. it's like here's a broad premise where we have a whole Starfleet that a bunch of people could be in at any time. No, it's, it's like nope. This has to be happening here and it's now. These guys, they knew exactly what they were doing, and then they were done so, with it. So mm-hmm. what was the updated show? Uh, I don't know. Some fucking. First of all, they like, answered what was so questions, bad which is horseshit. Okay. No, it was like a VR thing, and like, <sighs> it honestly, it didn't want to. It like it didn't. It didn't want to play the game. Like it didn't want to be the prisoner. It wanted to be a spy show. It wanted to be like a, you know, early aughts spy show. It it wasn't so weird like enough. It wasn't like. It, it wasn't earnest enough. It wasn't weird enough. It wasn't any of those things. It was just like, eh, it's the prisoner. Uh, there's a ball attacking you. We have numbers. Huh. And I don't remember then, a whole lot about it because I didn't watch much of it because just it turned me so quickly. No, I just remember your violent reaction to it. So I thought maybe something about that would have stuck with you. No, I uh, I made a I made a point of forgetting I ever that a thing ever existed and moving on. Just put your brain in the sink and rinse it on out. Yep. <laughs> Like you do. Mm-hmm. No time for this. Yep. Um, I thought there were bits where, uh, what's his name, uh, Patrick McGowan was so intense that mm-hmm. he had like a Gorshin energy. Yes. Yep. That's probably one of the things I responded to. <laughs> That's, all right. Mm-hmm. I could see that. You could... And then, yeah, he goes into the fucking, um, the, the corpse storage area. Sure. And to get in there, he puts on a little, uh, a little Lab disguise. Lab coat and jacket, or uh, mm-hmm. uh, glasses. Yeah, and... And like Matt said in his summary, everyone here knows who he is. He's yeah. a, a major, like, he's a major asset, depending, and he just sort of wanders down. Like, depending uh-huh. on your view of the series, literally everybody he knows is here to, like, to fuck with him. Mm-hmm. And, or like, no, I'll put another, a pair of glasses on and fuck off. Or another interpretation could just be, he's the latest arrival that we yeah. need to break. Yeah. But regardless way, of, they have he's pictures. the center of attention right now. Yeah, yeah. And they say that every person who's here has an observer, mm-hmm. like everyone who's here because of spy times. Well, th- I mean, a lot of times, uh, uh sort of, um, uh, off the record, they call them brain guys. Oh yes, 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 sure. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hello, 
observer. <laughs> so, like, half of the people here are watching the other half of the mm-hmm. people here, and then there's some of the it's people about are It's society, plants. man. And so, <sighs> yes, they know. Like, it seems like they'd know what he looked like. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But speaking of his sort of over-the-top ridiculousness, like, this is this is your mm-hmm. quote, yeah, Matt? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is... It was hard picking a quote, because, like... The, Not a lot of the dialogue stands out, but I really enjoyed this. In the matter of the people versus this person, the court is now in session. What is my crime? We'll come to that. That was something. Just yelling at people. And Mm -hmm. him, like, starting to just clap loudly to interrupt people. (laughs) Oh, my God. So he's the goose, really. (laughs) Yeah. You have an idyllic village. You're Uh a horrible prisoner. Mm -hmm. He's got a laundry list of things he has to do to just ruin people's day. Mm -hmm. Trap the boy in the phone booth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Send the corpse out for for help. Drive number two insane. Uh I mean, honestly, the place that the goose game is set is very village-esque anyway. It is. Yeah, it is. Very Mm Europe-y. And... He tries to get into the green dome, which yep. is where like a bunch of stuff is happening. And Patrick McGowan uses his own mime skills to keep him out. Oh so he like God. hits an invisible wall and there's a noise and he goes. <laughs> and every time he comes downstairs, he goes like extra fast and sort of like hops down the stairs. He's so much. I love just... him so much. It's so good. I, I love watching him I, just get like the I say, shit I get kicked the, out of him. I get the appeal. I just, I think I've lost patience for this kind of you thing. Can, I had it at one point. There there are parts when he is acting so hard, you can see mm-hmm. steam coming off of his forehead. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that you're sort of done with this sort of thing isn't the prisoner's fault. No, it's absolutely not. The I want to make that very it, clear. The prisoner did it well. It mm-hmm. did. It absolutely did. And- People are still like I know for a fact there are people still debating it and yep. still talking about it and still yep. like it's it's not it hasn't just been revealed. Nope. this was the answer. Is like no. There's still conventions. I think at I'd the, set, like, at, you can go to the fucking village. Oddly enough, in the Popeye village, though. Yes, not, not it's in weird. Yeah, I mean you couldn't get the rights. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'll get no argument from me, Ken Blue. <laughs> <laughs> what a great sentence. Uh huh. Uh, what else? Oh, I've just, all my notes here are just about the, like, the dumb, weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it turns out that Walter Roland Dutton um, is no, going- me. Roland. I Roland Dutton. <laughs> is going to get killed because they think he's um, uh, holding back information they want and they're not going to get it from him. And mm-hmm. he's like, no, I told them everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, one of the scientists hands- prisoner who's in his little prisoner. outfit. It's not, it, it never ceases to amuse me that you call him prisoner. Prisoner. Yeah. Uh, hands him the execution order because he's going to take, he, he says he's going to go take it to two. Mm-hmm. And it's he opens it and it's on black paper Yep. Mm-hmm. with like the font is the same, like the prisoner font and it just uh-huh. says his name on it on black paper. But yep. all it says is number six. <laughs> uh, no, just every... stuff like that and like he, his costume is his normal suit from when he was a spy. Yeah, mm-hmm. he puts on a tux, just just like James Bond. Yeah, and yeah. he says like they like because the one of his maids asks him like, "Oh, what's your costume?" And he's like, "It is just my suit." But we all wear our masks, man. Yeah. <laughs> just, just everything so about this, it is so much, and I love so it. Much. Sure is. 
Mm-hmm. There's a there's a so much that I still do enjoy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, like, you you love Downton Abbey. Yeah, and Riverdale. That's the most. And Riverdale. Mm-hmm. And um, didn't we want? Oh, Dark Shadows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which Amanda, you pointed oh. out, there was some weird shared uh, production thing. Yeah. So there's a music box sound in the back of the in the back of this one, mm-hmm. and that music box melody also on a music box was used in Dark Shadows like a whole bunch. Hmm. It was a weird, just a weird thing, weird coincidence. Yeah, that is unusual. But I mean, I, you know, British shows like yeah. love to pool their resources and reuse stuff. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee they all, had that all same the costumes in this were from. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's what I'm saying. All the costumes in this were probably from period dramas from previous and probably ended up in Doctor Who episodes later. Mm-hmm. But that helped a lot of the weirdness to this. Like everyone in the carnival thing had a, a weird little outfit that was like, very good and very strange. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they put him on trial for being an asshole. And good. Yeah. Guilty. <laughs> he, they found him guilty. Yeah. As, as well they should have. And then he ran away to where the computer is mm-hmm. at the end, which I could only describe as grandma's living room. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the the group of people all following him, trying to tear him apart, they're all wearing weird, like, different times costumes. Yep. Yeah. It just adds to the weirdness. And then tomorrow, nobody will fucking care. Like. Nope. Next yeah, morning, morning number six. Uh, mm-hmm. Fuck off. Be seeing you as your as your maid. I'm going to yell at you now, mm-hmm. inexplicably. So this is sort of tangentially related. Yes. But Amanda and I watch a lot of old movies together, sure. and we watched this British movie from the mid '60s. We normally don't watch movies that are about professions because no. they're all fucking terrible. Well, very specific things about a job, like, and this was about. Guys who drive, like, lorries. It's yes. British. Guys who drive lorries full of gravel. Yep. That was what it was From about. From the gravel quarry where Doctor Who was being uh, filmed. Da, 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 da. That sounds like an no, MST t- just, short, first of all. I'm saying don't don't say who's in it. I wasn't that's... going to. Okay. From the gravel pit where Doctor Who was being filmed okay. to the construction site where the gravel was <laughs> delivered. Yeah, that, <laughs> so seriously. We, can, the we whole... can all agree that needs to be done. But it was fairly low stakes. Yeah. The conflict and the peril and everything was, will they drive the gravel from point A to point B? Fast enough. Fast enough. And who will be the fastest? Who I mean, be, isn't and- that the, that's basically the plot of Smokey and the Bandit, so. Yeah, but that's a comedy. This took itself deadly seriously. Yeah, it, this but, was ooh. like, this guy was willing to die for his belief that he should be best at truck. But listen to this, this, uh, this cast. You'll see where I'm going with this. All right. So... William Hartnell, the original Doctor Who, sure. was in it. Uh, Sid James, who was the filthy old man in the <laughs> yeah in the Carry On series, uh, was in it. Um, oh God, who was the young guy who only had like one or two lines? But it's like uh, oh, it was Sean Connery. Yes, right. Sean Connery was in it, I've and then Patrick McGowan through. <laughs> Patrick McGowan was the bad guy. Oh God. He was the crazy. He was and crazy. There was a fifth one because it's like five people. Like mm-hmm. if you came up with a, a list of like actors you were aware of in Britain in the sixties mm-hmm. that have nothing to do with one another, you might pull these five names and like. But they weren't. They didn't do a movie together because they have nothing to do with each other. No, look, was it Michael Caine? Maybe it wasn't Michael Caine. Okay, but it's just this like. Patrick McGowan and Sean Connery and William Hartnell. Like, what the fuck is and this? And so we watched it because we wanted to see this Yeah, this, this cast is amazing. Cast. It was unendurably it's a bad. movie about driving gravel. I just want to see. And we, I got to get this Hell gravel Drivers through. Hell Drivers. Hell Drivers was what it was called. 
It felt like a Riff Prax movie. It really did. It was bonkers. It sounds like it. But Patrick McGowan was the bad guy in that, mm-hmm. and he was crazy over the top in that as well. Well, because he needed to be the fastest driver, uh-huh. and he was willing to kill to keep this other guy from being the fastest driver. Uh-huh. And this other guy's friends kept saying, like, just let him be the fastest driver. Who cares? But no. But you get had... like an extra one pound bonus if you make the fastest. He had to be king so... of trucks. Yeah. I got to deliver this, is... this gravel. You won't get it. We... Mm-hmm. I was just up visiting Nate and Irene and we're all, we all got sick. And so we're just watching like Netflix shows. <laughs> and we watched the first season of Black Sails, which is about this guy wanting to be king of the pirates. Mm-hmm. And it's That's the same. stakes. Well... <laughs> and it? being king of the pirates also seemed like the worst job in the world where someone's just going to be killing you all the time. I guess and, that's true. And that also, was the, it's like being the, king of the wizards. Yeah. So there didn't seem to be like any benefit to it. And he just really wanted to be king of the And everyone was like, why don't you just be a pirate? You'll make more money just being a pirate. No, I have to be king pirate. <laughs> it's very similar. Just just baffling. But yeah, I, I, I pointed out specifically mm. just because, you know, the uh, cast, yeah. But, well, but specifically Patrick Paguin. Like, we we hung, like, usually we'll turn something off if it's not interesting after mm. a little while. But yeah. We were fascinated by this this bizarre collection of people. And, I mean, and it he sounds was, baffling. Yeah, it is. It, it is. It and really is. I don't know why it was made, and nope. I don't know why anyone agreed to make it. Nope. Um, and get it. this <laughs> wasn't, like, the end of Patrick McGowan's career. No, this was, this was 1965. It was before yeah. The Prisoner. But it wasn't, it was like. probably before Danger Man also. But it, there was no reason for him to be doing this movie. Yeah. Except that it appealed to him in some way. In some way. Yes. British actors got to okay. work. Mm-hmm. And it was weird not to see Olivia Coleman in this. I mean, she probably wasn't born yet. There but, was probably you know. a baby or something in the background yeah, that was probably. Olivia Coleman. Mm-hmm. She's she's that one now. Mm-hmm. She's like, if you make a British show, she's just there. Mm-hmm. Um, There was a guy in a purple toga when everyone was in their... Uh, costumes yep. that reminded me of Plato's stepchildren and that's yep. probably why I didn't mm-hmm. didn't enjoy this so I much. I thought cause... that was supposed to be Caesar, so possibly or Nero because they it were doing because they of, had you know. Napoleon shrug and Queen mm-hmm. Elizabeth shrug. Those are the costumes. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh okay, in the prop so closet. The three judges are like three people in power. I guess I see what's happening here. Sure. I don't this, know. This feels like a thing I'll need to read an essay about later, <laughs> but uh Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, not really. Okay. We're running a little short, which is why I like digressed <laughs> a little bit there, but like <laughs> During the dance sequence, everyone's dancing and prisoner won't. And mm-hmm. that made me laugh so hard. He was just stomping like a petulant <laughs> two year old. <laughs> dance with us, prisoner. No. <laughs> which pretty much sums can... up the whole show. Yeah, it yeah. sure does. Yep. It sure absolutely does. Oh, uh, it's a f- it's very much a product of its time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um I really enjoyed it and I still really enjoy it even now that I am a grown up. Um there's a lot to like about it. Yeah. But I, I don't know that I don't know that I would like a modern version of it. Not even I a modern version of Prisoner, but something doing these themes now would be I think I'd probably find insufferable. I don't know. I bet there's some sort of like artistic you know sort of slightly surreal mm. sort of like heavily symbolic uh you know thing out there that could probably like not be exactly like this but could kind of be the same kind of thing i just mean i'm mostly thinking about the the themes about not mm. you know 
No, not this was giving this in. was the time and place yeah. for mm. that. But you know, you could do something about that now on slightly different themes. I care less about individualism now than I did when I was also, sixteen and first saw like this I show. Say, yeah, a lot of also the I themes have in the show appeal anything. to me so much more. I have problems with any show now that's like conformity sucks, man. Brought to you by Quiznos. <laughs> well, I don't like British shows. At least back then, anyway, yeah. were not quite like that. No, like they gave you pretty wide berth. Like I know, I'm I'm pretty well versed in how Python got their show and and what you know the fights they had to fight with with censorship. But otherwise, they got to do what they wanted. And this show very much sure. feels like they. Yeah, got to do what they wanted. There was a vision here, regardless of whose yeah. it was, and mm-hmm. they just let them do their thing. And sometimes, when you give someone sort of their head to do their vision, you end up with a goddamn disaster, like yeah. um, or like with Orson Welles uh, uh-huh. every time. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> standing in front of a fucking green screen, reading Moby Dick. Mm-hmm. Um, it's his vision, though. <sighs> yes. <sighs> Always. But sometimes you also get something like this that's uh, very much. And then sometimes you get 17 minutes of someone sweeping the floor while Nine Inch Nails plays. Oh, God. The Nine Inch Nails. I did not care for New Twin. Oh, yes. Excuse me. (laughs) Also, we're going to we're going to hear from some people on that because everyone but us loved that. So, well, fuck you. Mm -hmm. Please don't (laughs) tell our audience. Fuck you. Uh, It's not my audience. (laughs) All right. Anything else? Uh, no. I don't think so. That's All pretty right. much it. Yeah. Amanda, do your plugs. Okay. Um, ooh, I'll talk about Endeavor. What? Ooh. What is Endeavor? Endeavor is a show where I play- What was that name? I forgot. I play the greatest <laughs> fictional character ever written. Uh-huh. Del Lacerdo, mm-hmm. a Cardassian asshole, self-sabotager. Um, I just recently watched uh, the, the very acclaimed series Fleabag, mm-hmm. which is essentially- Dal Lacerdo as an English woman. Oh shit! Now I gotta watch it. She's she is a garbage fire, and there's Mm -hmm. so much Dal there inadvertently. Mm -hmm. Oh god. Um, we just uh dropped rat lines, didn't we? Yeah, episode eight was was a heavy Dal episode. Episode nine is in work now. Yeah, uh, we're working on uh, just starting the season finale, episode Mm ten. It's a good fucking show. We're pretty proud of it. Yeah, Yeah, Star Trek. Um. Discovery's kind of losing me, as you guys know, mm-hmm. who listen to the uh, who listen to Post Amacor when it's not sure. doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I really like working on Endeavor. I like the scripts. I like the themes. I like the characters. Uh, I would listen to it if I wasn't in it. And I don't listen to very many podcasts that I'm not in and don't say nice things about me. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. Uh, USSEndeavor.com. Uh, so good. Yeah, what about your your other things? Do you want to talk about any of that? Um, I do photography. Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, yeah, I do photography, and so that's giantblackalbatross.com. And the mm-hmm. other project, if you like hearing us review things, um, Al and I work on a show called uh, Death of Podcast, which is um, us reviewing all of uh, the Discworld series. Mm-hmm. We uh, What just dropped recently? I don't know, because we're so far ahead. Yeah. Our Patreon people get, like... They're like twenty episodes ahead of everyone yeah. else, so I have no idea what went up for people. Last episode recently. is Witches we've, we've Abroad. Ten episodes. Yeah. So. Thank ah, you. Thank you. Yeah. So, but we're like God. We're like more than halfway through the series. Yeah, we're doing Thief of Time yeah. next, so we're we're way ahead. So, not to mm. take food out of the uh, the paw listener from the paw listeners and put it into the death of podcast listeners, but uh, there's a ton of bonus stuff there. Yeah. So much. 
Uh, we do have That's a Patreon true. though, if you want to if you want to join us to that patreoncom slash algar and you can get uh, episodes of the show uh, more quickly. You can see our um, uh, show notes. Our notes, and if you donate at the very highest tier, you get to pick something for us to review. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Or Imagine you can give the it to the podcast and get all of the bonus episodes. Mm-hmm. Yes, you or you could do that. All right, so that's all for this time. Next week, we will be covering a show actually from one of our generous patrons. Come to come to mm. mention that. Uh, let me pull that up now because I don't remember what it was, but someone has. Uh, I can I can us. just see the I can just see the thing spinning. It's, it's terrible. Spinning, yes. It's doing this to you on purpose. Someone <laughs> has asked us to review an episode <laughs> of the television show oh, from the seventies. Name because of that's which. the decade after the sixties. I know the show. It's Space Nineteen Ninety Nine. What I don't remember mm-hmm. is the episode title. I was about to say I can pull it up, but I don't actually have access to any of this. Yes, you do. I gave access to the schedule to all the guests. You can see it at any time. The episode is yeah. Dragon's Domain, and we all know how much I love domains. Sounds as, like realms. As much as realms, but yeah. Uh, now, this is a dude. Uh, Uncle Bradford is the name that he goes by. Uh, he has uh, done some fantastic artwork for mm-hmm. us for Endeavor. Uh, he, he draws in sort of an mm. animated series style. Those covers are rad. Yes. and yes. Uh, I love he, Fat Dell. He, um... Mm-hmm. He donated at the the highest tier and uh, said, please do Space 1999, so we'll be doing that. Uh, That is what we will be doing next time. (laughs) The week after that, I'm not going to tell you just yet, but uh, oh boy. My my (laughs) dear old friend, uh, Mark Darren, chose a thing. He's done a crime on you. We worked on the Nick and Willikins game with. Yes, the the, uh, developer. Yes, thanks. (laughs) Uh, But that'll be two weeks from now. Anyway, next week, Space 1999. Uh, that's yep. all for this time. Yeah. Be seeing you, folks. Be seeing you. The Post-Atomic Prisoner podcast is a co-production of Ron Algarwatt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2019. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this until Star Trek comes back. <laughs>